Welcome to Embrace Your Brain with Dr. D. Joy Coulter. These short weekly brain bits give you fresh glimpses into how your mind works and how to develop its natural brilliance. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, how brains join freedom and connection. In society today, we struggle to bridge a growing divide between those who value freedom most and those who see connection as vitally important. Let's see how the brain has worked this out. It may offer examples of how we can do it too. In the brain, there are two basic kinds of cells, neurons that were formerly thought to regulate all basic brain functions, and I'm sure you've heard of them, and another kind that you may not have heard of, glial cells. They were formerly thought to be just padding for the neurons. In our highest cognitive areas of the brain, though, we see about the same number of neurons as glial cells. And then when we look at the lower core areas of the brain, there can be as many as 10 times as many glial cells as there are neurons. Over the past 10 years, researchers have taken a closer look at those glial cells, and they continue to discover new amazing functions. We now realize that the networks of neurons are depending on those glial cells in many critical ways that we'll be talking about. Let's look first at how the neurons relate to freedom and connection. Neurons definitely have a strong sense of freedom. Neurons in the right brain are rather tribal, with each turf having a cluster of cells that handle a particular function, as if it's organized neighborhood by neighborhood. And in the left brain, each cell has individual powers and can choose whether to relay incoming information or not. When an incoming signal isn't strong enough, the buck stops there. So in general, neurons have these functions. They get listened to by neighboring neurons. They're wired to take turns firing. So if one cell is firing, the surrounding ones will shut down. They call that inhibitory or excitatory alternations. They avoid mob action. In fact, if they all fired at once, they'd be in the middle of a grand mal seizure. And they stay within their own turf, except when they're forming connections with other turfs. With neurons, each turf has its own functions. It's designed to bring information into the brain from outside world and then relay it to other turfs via connections that are built over time. When a turf ceases to operate, maybe by injury or perhaps going blind or deaf, neighboring turfs can invade it and then they take over those cells for their own use. The neurons also have a way of making connections. They do it by wiring, linking sending branches of one neuron to the receiving branches of another. So these are sequences or relays and they take time. So the connections are temporal, we'd say. However, very recent discoveries have found that when the brain is learning new information, these new connections require glial cells to provide the glue to hold those newly constructed connections in place. The ordinary cross-boundary connections of neurons, like say auditory to visual or visual to motor or auditory to motor pairing up, has to use white matter highways that link those turfs together. And that white matter is also made up of glial cells. Neurons are also capable of highly charged cross-boundary connections by playing with the brain speeds, and we've talked about that. 
where you'd have slow brain speeds of theta, different neurons are picking up different parts of a particular puzzle, and when they finally get a critical mass, another brain speed, a very high one called gamma, kicks in. All of this is using the neurons, and it brings it into a coherence. We get this aha. But in order to really get the aha, the glial cells have got to release a distilled form of sugar to fuel those connections. And that's what causes that light bulb moment. So let's look at glial cells now. What do they do, and how do they work? Well, we're now finding that there are many kinds of glial cells, and they have specialized functions. Some of them are storing the distilled sugars we just talked about to fuel the brain for ahas, and some are able to produce myelin sheaths, a kind of insulation that we'll talk about in a minute. Some are like garbage collectors, and they clean up the chemicals that are left when the neuron cells are sending messages. And some create the glue to allow neurons to build stable connections and hold on to new learning. The glial cells relate to freedom and connection very differently. They protect the right of neurons to have their own voices. The brain is extremely noisy, so it would be really hard for neurons to get heard if it weren't for some insulation. So the glial cells produce a white matter. That myelin is a fatty wrapping, and it insulates the sending branches so the signals can travel clearly. It happens over time in different regions, and it shapes the way the brain develops its own timetable. Some areas can't really function very well until they're insulated. Here's a major example. There's one very large white matter band that connects speech production and speech comprehension. So the babbling of a very young child can become real communication. And this occurs usually around three or four, and you'll see it then trigger a major language acquisition burst. But this very service that's designed to help the neurons have clear voices and send discrete signals allows the glial cells to become serious eavesdroppers. The sending branches of neurons aren't continuous wires. They look like bamboo with notches every so often, and information can easily be leaked at these joints. So glial cells wrap these branches in myelin, and at the same process, they're picking up this information and are able to play with it. While glial cells can't actually generate their own signals, they can easily copy and send the signals that neurons are creating. They don't operate like neurons, relaying information from cell to cell within a turf. Instead, glial cells simply ignore territorial boundaries, and they behave kind of like cell towers. They just broadcast information in all directions. So they're fundamentally connected, not in time like neurons by linking cell by cell, but in space by basically creating a field across the whole brain. It's rather like the way router devices can pick up Wi-Fi signals in your home, and they amplify them by meshing those signals that they broadcast so they can spread throughout the house. So if you could ask glial cells if we are all connected, they'd say, of course, while the neurons would highlight their autonomy and uniqueness instead. This meshing design of the glial cells may hold some promise for those of us who do have a sense that we're all connected at some level. Often we have discovered how to get this sense of connection in various ways. Some sense it while gardening, 
Others, while practicing an art form like music or painting, others tap into nature or connect with particular animals, and still others have meditative or spiritual insights. Even monks in caves have this sense of connection. So maybe we don't have to actually connect with one another in the event world. We can just contribute to the mesh or field of connection like glial cells do, and let those vibes create a healing energy to temper the rage and fears of those striving to protect their freedom. If you're enjoying these podcasts, I think you'll love my book, Original Mind Uncovering Your Natural Brilliance. It's available on Amazon and at EmbraceYourBrain.com.